guys, this is Jason Pye. Welcome to PeachPundit.com. Uh, we haven't done an, uh, a podcast in a while, but uh, I figured since I want to start these up again regularly, who better to start with than Congressman Paul Brown? Uh, he represents Georgia's 10th Congressional District, which starts up in uh, up in North Carolina, all the way down to Athens and over to Augusta. Uh, Congressman Brown, thanks for taking some time out of your day to, to join me. Jason, it's always a pleasure and a blessing to visit with you, and I'm glad to, to be with you today and visit with you and all the folks that you touch, I appreciate the great job that you do. Well, thank you, Congressman. Well, here we are, one year after after the uh, so-called summer of recovery, on a monthly uh, monthly average job growth. Excuse me, job growth has barely kept with population growth. Essentially, we're we're keeping pace with new workers entering the labor market, but that's really about it. And long-term unemployment is a serious cause for concern. What Absolutely. what has President Barack Obama done wrong, and what should he have done to promote economic growth? Everything he's done has been wrong, in my opinion. Today, 1.9 million less people have jobs than when the president signed his failed stimulus bill into law. Uh, His stimulus bill has been just an absolute failure. It's not created jobs out in the private sector, pretty much. It's created a strong central government in Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. is the only city in the country that has had a elevation in the price of real estate, for instance, for housing. Uh, and it's because of a bigger government. It's It's been a failure. Everything he's done has been a failure. The way we create jobs, Jason, is by stimulating small business and the free enterprise system. It's actually the free enterprise system is the engine that pulls along the train of economic prosperity here in America. It's, a, it's free enterprise that has made America so great, so powerful, so rich as a nation. But this president, I believe, is trying to destroy free enterprise. I believe very firmly that he totally believes in a Marxist philosophy, a socialist philosophy, where government provides and does everything for everybody. And he has been going down that road. Obamacare is a good example of how he has. Uh, His whole idea is that government must do it, which is totally wrong. We've created this huge debt that he has put in place since he's been president. President Bush was creating debt. I've been critical of him, too, for that very reason. We've just got to stop the outrageous spending here in Washington, leave dollars in the pockets of, of the job creators, business and industry, particularly small business. We've got to get the regulatory burden off business and industry. They're putting more and more on it from this administration. So everything he done has done is hurting the economy and hurting job creation. We need to turn it around. Well, you, you touched on it just a second ago, and, and and you mentioned spending. Well, we're headed to another year with a trillion-dollar budget deficit. The spending cuts that, that have been passed by Congress are frankly laughable when you look at the projected budget deficits over the next 10 years. What does Congress need to do to bring us back on a physical, uh, a, a sustainable fiscal path? Jason, we have just been debating the agricultural appropriations bills. I introduced a number of amendments to total about $2 billion just for this one appropriations bill. And it's not one of the biggest ones. We've just got to stop the outrageous spending that's going on here in Washington. The American public, families, individuals are tightening their belts. Businesses and industries are doing the same thing. It's time for us to have a balanced budget to the U.S. Constitution. It's time for the federal government to only spend what money it brings in. It means marked 
cuts in the size and scope of the federal government. We've got to find bridges to send powers back to the states and the people, leave dollars in the hands of the states and the people so that we can create jobs, create a stronger economy, and get going in the direction of paying off this debt uh, and deficit. It's unsustainable. We just, in fact, I believe we're in an economic emergency as a nation, which means we need to do emergent-type procedures. Let me tell you about how strongly I think we need to do some severe changes in the way government's doing business, uh, marked changes. When I was working in an emergency room one time, I saw a doctor literally open up a guy's chest and do open-heart massage to try to save this guy's life. I think our economy needs open-heart massage, and the way we do that is by cutting the size and scope of government, have major cuts. I'd like to see us get rid of the Department of Education, for instance. I'd like us to get rid of a lot of departments, Department of Commerce, EPA, a lot of the duplicative uh, services that the federal government's doing that the states should be doing. We need to make major changes in how government is, is operating at all levels, particularly on the federal level. And that's what I'm fighting for up here in Washington. Well, you said you, you won't vote for an increase in the debt ceiling, which we hit back on May 16th. Under what circumstances would you vote for raising it if, if since it's already passed the $14.3 trillion mark? Well, Jason, they're just juggling money up here. It's the only reason that, that we haven't um, come to the crisis of the debt ceiling. But frankly, the, the scare tactics that this administration and, and – um, other political pundits are utilizing, saying that we won't meet the full faith and credit of the United States. It's just blatantly wrong. What not raising the debt ceiling would do is it will force the federal government to make the major cuts that are absolutely necessary to make us sustainable economically as a nation. So I'm not sure that they can give me enough cuts for me to ever think about raising the debt ceiling. It's going to have to be big ones. I don't see giving them an unlimited or, or even upping the credit limit on the credit card of the United States government. Republicans and Democrats alike have been guilty of spending money that we don't have. We've just got to stop doing that. Right, right now today, of every dollar that the federal government spending, we're borrowing 40 cents. As you said, we're at four, actually we're up to about 14, almost 14 and a half trillion dollars worth of debt. We've got, we've got trillions and trillions of unfunded liabilities. A good example is yeah. just a couple, of, uh, just a couple of, of weeks ago, there was an article that came out, I think it's in USA Today, that says we have $63 trillion worth of unfunded liabilities just for Social Security and Medicare. Right. If you break that down to households in the family, every household in this family has over half a million dollars worth of that unfunded liability. Now, frankly... My household can't afford to pay a half million bucks. Well, how do we do that? The only way we can do it is stop spending money and create a stronger economy, which means changing the directions that the federal government's doing. So um, I'm, I'm planning very strongly to not vote on raising the debt ceiling. Well, today I got a press release from your office about the uh, the doctor, the GOP doctors caucus, which you are right. vice chairman of, right. uh, and. and uh, this caucus has launched a petition asking President Barack Obama to reconsider his plans for Medicare reform, including the Independent Payment Advisory Board. Tell us a little right. bit about that. Well, the Independent 
Independent Payment Advisory Board is a panel that that Obamacare has set up. It's a board of 15 unelected bureaucrats that have the power to cut Medicare benefits if spending exceeds the targets that they set, which basically means rationing of care. The Doctors' Caucus has put together this petition. Folks can go on my website, brown, B-R-O-U-N, dot house, H-O-U-S-E, dot gov. It's brown with a U instead of a W. My family even can't spell, I can't pronounce them, I'm not sure which. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, it's brown.house.gov. There's a link to the Doctors' Caucus. They can sign the petition asking the president to reconsider. This is part of Obamacare. The president already cut a half a trillion dollars out of Medicare. We hear the Democrats demagoguing Republicans for trying to to reform Medicare to make it viable as a system. Their plan is to do nothing and let it go broke in 12 years. So the Medicare trustees have already said within 12 years, at a maximum, Medicare is going broke. The Democrats' plan that they've given us is do nothing, let it go broke. Republicans are trying to, to repair it, to reform it, to fix it so that those who have invested in Medicare through our taxes will at least have some return from their investment over the years. We're trying to fix it so that it's a sustainable entity for those in need. The Democrats want it to go broke and demagogue Republicans. So uh, this is just part of it. We need to deal with entitlement spending uh, and Medicare, Social Security is part of it. And it's, and it's part of going back to the jobs, going back to the, the debt ceiling. Um, we've, got to, we've got to do something to stop the tremendous growth, but setting up a independent payment advisory board is not the way to reform Medicare, and it's not in the best interest of my patients as a physician, I can tell you. So that's the reason we'd like people to go and, and sign a petition against this board that President Obama has set up. Nearly two weeks ago, you joined sev- several other members of the Georgia delegation in voting for a resolution that would have forced President Obama to end military inter- intervention in Libya. Why mm-hmm. did you take such a strong stand here? Well, Jason, I don't think the, that we should be in Libya at all. In fact, uh, I think we need to cease combat operations there completely. In fact, I believe very firmly, as you know, in the Constitution, which means that I believe that any time America's put in, in into any armed conflict, Congress should declare war. We've not had to declare war since World War II. Vietnam, everything else since then, Korean War, all of it, none of it has been declared war uh, by Congress. We are unconstitutionally involved in these wars, particularly in Libya. We have absolutely no national interest that I can determine for us to be involved in spending taxpayers' money in Libya. Um, we're supporting the Europeans because they decided through NATO that they wanted to get uh, Muammar Gaddafi out of the uh, out of his rule in, in Libya. The president has said that it's about humanitarian issues. Well, if you if you want to look at humanitarian issues, there are some in other places like Iran and Syria where there are groups that really want to reform government and put in a pro-Western type of governance and want to stop the, um, particularly in Iran, the funding of, of all these terrorist organizations, Iran's funding Hezbollah, 
and Hamas. They're funding a lot of the insurgents that we see all around the world. They're, they're, Iran is the principal um, financial backer of, of al-Qaeda and all of the, this uh, terroristic activity around the world. Why don't we go into Iran and try to stop the, the outrageous humanitarian attacks that are going on in that country? They're just as bad, if not worse, in Iran than they are in Libya. So you're saying we, oh, have, a, we have a national security interest, uh, much more so in Iran or Syria than we do in Libya. So you're saying Why are we there? Oh, I don't know. Obama's inconsistent, essentially. Well, he had his foreign policy is is uh, no foreign policy, frankly, Jason. He just he just willy nilly decides he's going to do something, and and frankly, I think he's just pandering to the European socialist mentality that he wants us to be part of. So I, I don't know why he's doing this, but it seems to me that that uh, he's just pandering to all the socialistic governments in Europe, wants us to be one just like them, and, and so he wants to join that club, and to do so, he has to destroy the free enterprise system here in America. He has to destroy the sovereignty of this country. He has to destroy everything that's made this country so good, so great, so powerful, so rich, so successful, um, and, and I think he's doing it. Uh, I think he has a concerted effort to do so, so um, we, we need to get out of Libya. We need to do it right away. Our speaker, Mr. Boehner, wrote a letter to the president that said that he's going to be out of compliance with the War Powers Act. Well, the president's actually out of compliance with the War Powers Act anyway, even being in Libya. But right. uh, we need to stop that right now. And uh, that's the reason I voted for the, for the uh, personal resolution put forward by Dennis Kucinich to, to do just that. The thing I found just just so great about it was that 87 Republicans, including yourself, voted for that. That's you know this is a party that when President Bush wanted to go to war, and you weren't in Congress during this time when, when right. President Bush wanted to go to war in Iraq, it was it, there was almost no debate over it. Uh, at least on the Republican side, they didn't seem to have much debate among themselves. Uh, when money was spent to uh, to to keep basically the funding going to keep everything going over there over the last 10 years. We've been in Afghanistan for 10 years now and Iraq for another, uh, another eight years. It just seemed like there was no question that we should be doing this. And uh, I just see, it seems like conservatives seem to be uh, growing more skeptical or at least skeptical at all of intervention in foreign affairs. And uh, do you see that in Congress? Is that actually happening or are my, my eyes deceiving me? Not, Jason, I think you're right. I think, their conservatives are beginning to question the wisdom of being in Iraq and Afghanistan where we are killing a lot of the youngest, brightest, best of our American citizens. And frankly, the Bush administration nor the Obama administration really have a clue about the the tribal culture that's that's in Iraq and is in Afghanistan. When the U.S. was involved in throwing the Taliban out of the country to begin with. It took 200 U.S. soldiers to do that. How did we do it? Well, th those 200 soldiers were actually there as advisors with the Northern Alliance with some of the tribal people in Afghanistan. They worked with them. It was actually the tribal people that threw the Taliban out. The Russians couldn't do it, but the, the tribal people, the Northern Alliance, did but now what we're doing is the tribal folks 
look at us as invaders. They, their thought process in that part of the world, and I've worked in, with the Pushtun folks for many years ago, and, and for several years I worked with them. I was in the mountains back when the Russians were fighting uh, in Afghanistan, and um, so I have a contact with with them and, and lived with them in the mountains some, and the, the, their mentality is, or their thought process, is that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Now they see us as invaders. The Taliban is our enemy, so the Taliban must be their friend, and so they're embracing the Taliban. We call them warlords. Well, they're most uh, most of those people, if not almost all of them, are not warlords. They're just tribal chieftains who run their tribe the way they have for centuries. They they've been fighting for centuries amongst themselves. They're going to continue to do so, but. The Bush administration nor the Obama administration really understand that culture. They're doing the wrong thing, and they're creating a tremendous amount of, of um, death and destruction to our young men and women, plus causing the death and destruction to our economy for doing what they're doing. So we need to change the way we are um, approaching countries all over the world we need to, I think, have a different kind of philosophy of, of how we approach foreign policy. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not a, an isolationist. I think that we can be big brothers but not lords over the, uh, the countries of the world, and we can help other countries, but we need to do it in a way that's economically viable for our own citizens, which means we've got to stop spending all this money that we're doing and uh, try to help people move towards democracy if they can and will, if they want to. But we can't force and have no moral right to go and force our ourselves into Afghanistan or Iraq any other place. Well, we're beginning to see the field for the Republican presidential nomination take shape. There are a couple other candidates who haven't joined who are, who are expected to join sometime in the next month or so. But just out of curiosity, is there anyone in this field that stands out to you right now? Well, there are several people that um, I like some things that they say. Uh, Herman Cain is a personal friend, and, and um, he and I have had long conversations. Um, and I like Herman very much. Uh, there's a lot of issues that Herman and I have not talked about. I'm not endorsing anybody at this point. Whether I endorse somebody or not remains to be seen. Um, I've known Newt Gingrich for, for decades, and um, Newt's a great thinker. He, he's one who is a great planner. Uh, we'll see where New goes with what has happened recently with his campaign. I'm not sure he can stay viable. Uh, the the other candidates um, I, I've met, Governor Plenty, and there's some good things about him. There are good things about all the candidates. Uh, Michelle Bachman is a great friend from the House um, that she and I have been working together on a lot of issues here, and I have a tremendous respect for Michelle. I do not have a person as my number one pick, though, at this point. And um, would Rick Perry, if he gets in, would he fill that position? I don't know. But what I want, and I hope the American people are in demand for whoever our next president is, is that they're going to look to the to the things that have made this country great in the past. We're destroying the foundations. And Psalm 11 got asked a question. He says, if the foundations be destroyed, what are the righteous to do? We're destroying the foundations that made this country great. The shining star of liberty that, it's, that 
hangs over the United States is upheld by six pillars. And those six pillars are these. Constitutionally limited government, the free enterprise system, personal responsibility and accountability, the rule of law where everybody is considered equal under the law, the private property rights, in the center of that, all those hold up the, the star, the points of the stars of a five-pointed star of liberty over us. The center is held up by morality. And in fact, John Adams, our second president, one of the founding fathers, said that our Constitution written for moral and religious people is wholly inadequate for the governance of any other. And I believe in that. I believe in the foundational principles. And that doesn't mean that we become a theocracy. It just means that we are moral people. People have the freedom to worship the, any way that they want to. So um, I'm not for mandating Christianity. I'm a, I'm a born-again uh, evangelical Christian. But the greatness of this country is because we were built upon biblical principles. And we are destroying all of six of those pillars. We've got to start rebuilding them. And the way that we do that, Jason, is the people... Um, around this country need to read the Constitution. They need to read what our founding fathers said about it and then start demanding that from their elected representatives. And it's just absolutely critical because we're destroying what's going on uh, in this country that has made it great. We, uh, In fact, in Hosea 4.6, we read, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We have a tremendous lack of knowledge of how much liberty we've already lost have a tremendous lack of knowledge about what the Constitution says, what government should be under the Constitution. And so I'm looking for somebody who's going to help rebuild those six pillars of liberty and head us in the direction that this country should be going in, which means we've got to turn from the direction we've been going. I have just absolute ultimate confidence in the American people and in American exceptionalism. I think the sleeping giant of America is beginning to wake up. That's what we see with the Tea Party movements, see with all the grassroots movements all over the, the country. Um, and I'm excited to see that happening. But people need to, to get engaged in the political process. They need to read the Constitution. They need to understand what our founding fathers meant by reading the, the Federalist Papers, what our founding fathers said about it, so we can get going in the right direction to restore the freedom and liberty that we've lost. Well, Congressman Brown, thanks so much for taking some time out of your day. Now, you are on Twitter, Facebook. Am I, am I right? Yeah, in fact, people can go on my website, brown, B-R-O-U-N, dot house, dot gov, and they can, um, they can be a friend on, on my Facebook page. Um, I hope they'll go on that and like it, and then uh, they can follow me on Twitter. I hope that they'll do that, too. They can also go on the link to uh, vote or sign a petition that the Doctors' Caucus have launched to asked the president to reconsider his independent payment advisory board, which is a rationing board, and one of actually several rationing boards in Obamacare. Uh, but, and if they don't live in my district, if they will send me an email and just ask us to put them on my, uh, on my email list, we can send them email newsletters and Washington updates. If they live in my district, then they can sign up with a normal sign-up uh, mechanism that's on the website, but if they don't live in my district, the federal government won't let them just uh, automatically sign up by that mechanism. So they have to send me an email. The email address is right there on the webpage, brown.house.gov. They can send me an email and say, please put me on a on a uh, 
email update, uh, email newsletter list, put me on your email list and we can do so and we'll be glad to send them stuff on an ongoing basis. And, and frankly, I invite people all over all over the country to do so. Anybody who's interested in constitutional limited government and interested in turning this country back to what our founding fathers meant for it to be, I encourage them to get involved and by following me on Facebook, following me on Twitter, keeping up with what I'm going and sending me emails and suggestions on how we can put this country back on the right course. Well, Congressman Brown, again, thanks so much uh, for your time, and uh, you know we look forward to talking to you uh, again soon. Hopefully, not as uh, long in between visits. So, uh, well, Jason, I um, I'm, I'm glad to talk with you. It has been too long since I've last seen you. I just appreciate the great job that you do, and uh, I, I was glad to to see that that you're um, that you're the spark plug behind Peach Pundit. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. That, so that is great. I was just so excited to see that, that you're moving forward in that regard. So I think you do a fantastic job. And any anytime that you want me to come chat with you, I'm glad to do it. Well, well, I appreciate it. I'll take you up on that. Thanks again for your time. Thank you. God bless you. And people, please go on my, folks, please go on my website, brown.house.gov. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook.